here for some pro wrestling punditry for your ear holes today. I am your managing editor for wrestling, Nick. Nick Houseman, back in the saddle, joined here today as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkley. I love the energy. Look at that. Look at your back. You know, look at that loud intro right there. I'm feeling it. I'm jazzed. Good week, we got man. some congratulations of the Miz to go out here in a minute. So, you know, it's a good week, Nick. How are you it, doing? It is a good week. That's right. We have positive. We'll just, since you teased it, we'll get to it. Congrats to Miz and Maurice. They just had their second child, Madison Jade Mizanin, born September 20th at 8.02 a.m., 7 pounds, 15 ounces, more Mizzes in the world. Wonderful news. <laughs> Beautiful people making beautiful babies. Gotta love it. My friend, uh, my friend Alyssa recently had uh, a baby. It was my first like college friends to have a baby. You know, I'm 34, mm. so I'm like an adult now. We all had a barbecue. We went. We all held the baby. All of my friends looking at one another, saying, "Oh, it's like a who's next here? It's not going to be me." <laughs> Are you an adult because somebody in your group of friends had a baby, or because you're 34? Uh, hmm, the baby thing. I don't okay. feel like my age determines my uh, <laughs> my adulthood. Although I did, and I tweeted this this morning. I went to TJ Maxx yesterday. Great store. Love TJ Maxx. <laughs> and uh, I bought a I bought a crack pepper grinder, and I bought a pillow for the couch because Liz is taking the pillow from the couch to work because she thinks it's comfortable. So go figure. So I had to buy a new pillow. This pillow I bought. It's very comfortable. It's like a longer pillow. It fit, it matches perfectly with the couch. Liz was very impressed by this pillow. That makes me an adult, Michael. <laughs> I feel like this is a pro wrestling podcast first of a host putting over TJ Maxx. God, you put them over more than we put over most wrestlers on this show. <laughs> Man, if I was a wrestler, I might call myself TJ Maxx. That's a good wrestling name. It's an easy tie-in. And also, and I'm going to talk just real quickly here about TJ Maxx again. First of all, there's this one woman there who's always working the counter because, by the way, I go to TJ Maxx once or twice a week. There's one down the street from me. I always want something inexpensive and nice. Uh, so great store to go to for that. Um, and she's always kind of like standoffish with me. She's always kind of a little, not mean, but you can tell she's a, t a tough cookie, right? Right, right. And, she, she has that steely exterior where she didn't let many people in. And so I walk over to the counter and I put my pillow down in the, the cracked pepper grinder. And I was like, hey, and I'm always, I always try to be really nice to her. And I'm like, hey, I got this. I'm getting a pillow, and I'm getting this cracked pepper grinder. She looks at me and she goes, you're buying crack? And I was like, I'm not buying. No, it's a cracked pepper grinder. She's like, oh, good. I don't want you buying crack here. And I was like, do you sell crack? Did she, say, did she think TJ Maxx is a purveyor of such goods? I, I don't know. But I was, and I had to explain what a cracked pepper grinder. She didn't know what it was. And she was like, oh, she'd seen it, but she didn't know that's what it was called. So anyway. They grind your pepper into crack. Now, listen, TJ Maxx, all they are really, let's be honest, Nick, sure. they're just a glorified yard sale. Or garage sale for those of you in other parts of the country. I'm sorry. I want to correct you, but you're not wrong. It's like a right. high-end garage sale. It's a, yep. it's overstock from other stores, and then they sell it deeply discounted. Anyway, I guess today's show is brought to you by TJ Maxx. I may as well just reach out to them and see if they're interested in sponsoring. <laughs> I'll happily promote you. I love your store. Great store. We can just use this Wikipedia one-liner to TJ Maxx, an American department store chain selling at prices generally lower than other major similar stores. All right. Anyway, we're moving on. This is, I'm sure exactly the way everyone wanted the show starting today. I had a great weekend, too, because I'm in a good mood. Not just the TJ Maxx experience, but the Farm Aid was on Access TV this weekend. It's five and a half hours long. I haven't even gotten all the way through it. I'm kind of watching it in chunks. I, I love Farm Aid. Uh, I love concerts. This is uh, one of the things I love about Access TV and they were playing Impact commercials during Farm Aid. They were playing WoW commercials during Farm Aid, New Japan commercials. I was like, this is my perfect 
television network. I got Willie Nelson. I'm getting introduced to bands that I didn't know about, but I really like in pro wrestling. It was a great. It was a great weekend, Michael. Great weekend. I mean, what had Dave Matthews and Impact Wrestling were back in 2002. It's great. Dave it's Matthews. Great. Did you know? Did you also watch Farm Aid? Did you know Dave no. Matthews was at Farm Aid? I didn't know Dave Matthews was at Farm Aid because I just Googled it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was there. Neil Young was there. I haven't got to the Neil Young part yet. I cannot wait. Anyway, all right. This is going well. So, uh, congrats to the Miz. News you can use. <laughs> <laughs> News you can use. Congrats to the Miz and Marie's. Uh, also, congratulations to WWE Hall of Famer Tori Wilson. She got married to Revolution Golf founder Justin Tupper. Good for you. Congrats, Tori. Uh, and we want to send out um, our best wishes uh, to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He was hospitalized over the weekend. Uh, fortunately, we have a, a good update here from his wife, Deborah. He had a severe infection, but we think we got all of it, although he will be in the hospital for a few more days. Thank you all for your continued thoughts and prayers. Ho! Wonderful. The, she posted a nice photo of Hacksaw with the thumbs up from the hospital bed. Uh, I'm happy to hear he's on the men. Hacksaw, I did a couple shows with Hacksaw over the years. What a fantastic man, a human being he is. I'm glad to hear he's on the mend. One of my favorites, <laughs> all-time favorites. Yes. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to it here. The show today, we are going to talk. We got, a lot, we got a lot of news to get to here. I have no idea why we spent the first five minutes of the show talking about TJ Maxx and Farm Aid, but who cares? Got a lot of news to get to here. After the news, you're going to get two big interviews to start the week here. Uh, last week on Thursday... Uh, one of the things we talked about, or maybe, I don't know, it was maybe earlier in the week. Last week, Taz put out the, these tweets uh, teasing a, po a potential return to commentary. So I reached out to Taz. I said, you know, hey, this is getting a lot of buzz on the site. Is there any chance I can get you to talk about it? Expecting him to say no, because I know Taz is, does not do a lot of, of interviews because he does so much of building his own content. Uh, but we got him. So I Woo! talked to Taz for about half an hour. Oh, it's pretty much all about commentary. We talked a little bit about NXT at the end because it had aired the night before. Um, but all you're going to hear all about Taz, his potential return to commentary, what he thinks of a variety of commentary teams at the moment, strap in. And after that, you're going to hear from Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion Matt Taven. Of course, Taven making a lot of news right now at the moment as well because uh, there's reports out there his contract is up at the, at the uh, mm. at this month, maybe even at Death Before Dishonor this Friday. So uh, I asked him about that. <laughs> which was uh, a gamble on my part because Ring of Honor set up this interview with me and Taven. So, uh, you know, try to Always do dicey to ask about contract situations whenever <laughs> you're working through the company. So I had to, though, right? That's like, you know, sure. that's, that's the buzzy thing. But then we talk all about the number one contenders tournament, uh, his match with Roosh here, Death Before Dishonor. So a lot of other content, too. But, yeah, you're right at the top of that interview. What's going on, Matt, with your contract? So Taz, Matt Taven, but right now it's time for news you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Uh, real quickly, coming out of, of Raw last night, not a ton of news coming out of Raw last night, uh, but Bray Wyatt messed with the opening Raw graphic, which I thought was really cool. Show ended with him putting the mandible claw on Braun Strowman. I mean, that was like the buzziest stuff really coming out of the show last night, I thought. Was there anything else that, that grabbed your attention? No, no, I, I definitely like this because, listen, last week they tried to do it with him messing with the, inverting the graphics for the, the card matchups at the beginning of the show, and people thought it was just a mistake in WWE's part. So this seemed a little more obvious, a little more produced. I like that. I like the tease of him all throughout the show. Of course, we got a great Firefly Funhouse that right. was a little different. It showed he had a new target in mind, of course, that being Braun Strowman. And, and yeah, you know, these kind of teases keep people engaged. And I actually picked up on this because they, they announced – the Firefly Funhouse earlier in the show, and then set up next at one point, and they went to a women's match. Right. And commentary put over, stay tuned, folks. It's going to be right at the end of this match, the new Firefly Funhouse. And I kind of dug that because 
again, you're keeping your audience engaged. You know what they want. You've got to produce a three-hour show, fill it up with content, but make sure you have those stop gaps all throughout the show. But this was a part of it. You asked me what else was interesting. Of course, they had the uh, five-way elimination match. They were teasing all night long so we could see who our number one contender is going to be for next week's Raw. So I thought, again, that was a good hook. You had the OC. That was a good hook for me. Sure. And I just liked all of these things that Paul Heyman producing these shows makes this, even if you have a lot of the same kinds of segments, he does little tweaks on it that make it feel different. You know, we talked about the Authors of Pain segment last week. Sure. That had a different twist to it this week. That was a, I'm assuming, a Paul Heyman-inspired production value. So all of those things, while maybe not the best show of all time, the newsiest show of all time, made it an engaging show for me as a viewer. And that's the thing. is I, did, I, don't want, I don't want to diminish. I didn't think it was a bad show, uh, but I'm just saying news. Not, there was no crazy title changes. Nobody debuted. Right. Nobody got injured. Nobody, nothing, not really anything like that. But the big buzzy things coming out of it, you know, it's it's the fiend. It's the fiend show right now. And with him laying out Braun Strowman, and I saw Labar and our, our buddy Dave Hero over on Twitter, they were talking about this as well. Um, with with the fiend taking out Braun Strowman, you know, and it was so imp- it was so impressive when, when Seth Rollins was able to get that big clean victory over Braun, you know, for for the fiend to one up it and say, well, I'm even greater than than Braun Strowman. I mean, it's going to really be jarring if The Fiend doesn't win this title. I mean, it feels like a foregone conclusion that he's got to take this thing. And I'm still not a huge fan of the way Seth Rollins is not showing any fear of The Fiend until, like, it's always the end of the show. The end of the show, he's always, like, gobsmacked. Like, oh, my God, what am I going <laughs> to And then he, then he comes out the next show, and he's like, ah, whatever. We're all just having a good time. And it's like, no, these things have – it's too disparate, if that makes sense. Like, I want to see I want to see a descent into sa- insanity from Seth Rollins. I want that kind of Hamlet arc, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got to see this guy who has beaten the beast, who has beaten Braun Strowman, the monster, who's beaten everybody else, start kind of being chiseled away at from all these mind games the Fiend is playing. And I, I do think it is a myth at this point. Somebody as strong as Seth Rollins needs to start feeling weak, or I, I think the Fiend's mind games don't play out as well. Now, the ending segment was a mirror of last week's segment. Literally, I think the camera was mirrored almost from where they were in the ring. So it played out very similar, and I like it. I dig the horror movie vibe. But yeah, the Fiend looks strongest here because he beat up Braun Strowman, a true monster. And it reminds me very much of the way they introduced Kane back in the 90s, right? Kane came out and he tackled he tackled Vader. He tackled all these other big dudes on his way to facing The Undertaker, his first loss. And so I dig all of that. The Fiend's got to win next Sunday. Now, Nick, Rey Mysterio, he won the number one contendership oh, last true. week. That's true, yeah. And so, you know, next week on the quote-unquote season premiere, because we've been watching reruns all summer, of Raw, maybe Rey Mysterio gets a surprise win because Seth Rollins is, you know, shocked and awed by The Fiend or something like that. Yeah. And it's Rey Mysterio doing, you know, laying on the mat for The Fiend come Sunday. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't put that in the run sheet here. Yes, that was a bit of news coming out of it. New number one contender, Rollins Mysterio here. I thought the same thing. It's not really, it's not gelling with me right now. The, the Seth Rollins feed feud. I mean, I'm, I'm way into the fiend. Um, I, I just, I, again, it's like the reactions from, from Rollins have just been a little disparate for me. So I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it up here a little bit, maybe considered doing a, a title change, especially for USA saying, Oh, we need a big title change here. You know, because again, on SmackDown here, it looks like we're going to get 
we're going to get some, I mean, Brock and Kofi, I mean, a lot of people saying this is it for Kofi here, you know? Yeah. Well, the path plays out the same way too, right? So even if it's Mysterio or Rollins at this point, the fiend doesn't have a personal feud with Seth Rollins Uh, to your point from earlier. It doesn't feel personal yet because Seth Rollins doesn't take it seriously enough. Right. The fiend is all about chaos and that chaos inflicted upon Seth Rollins or Rey Mysterio kind of plays out the same way either. I think it plays out better against Mysterio and his underdog story. Actually. I think, well, and then with Mysterio, you got Dominic, right? Who yep. uh, who can be you know be taken in by the fiend right? I don't even know if he would be attacked. Maybe brainwashed would be a better way yeah. to go about it. You know, turn turn Dominic against Ray, be the dark side, so to speak. Yeah. So anyway, interesting. There's my there's my ten million dollar pitch in the creative room right there. All right, um, moving away from Raw, let's talk a little NXT. Uh, NXT's USA debut. Here's the big number: one point one seven nine million viewers. These numbers are uh, in our. These numbers are for the first hour that aired on USA. Obviously, we don't know what the second era. How many people were able to tune into the WWE Network? Um, but uh, to compare, Monday's Raw drew two point two seven two million, uh, up from last week's two point one three, and the Tuesday SmackDown drew two point oh six four. So just about a million shy of Raw or SmackDown, uh, but you know more than more than a million, one point one. I think that's where they. I, if I had to pick a number where to start, that's that's probably about it, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty strong showing, I feel like. You know, I think a million was maybe the kind of... Because when they did that weird NXT special back in the day, uh, last December or whenever it was, a year ago, I don't even know now, it was around a 0.8, I think. So um, I, I think this is a solid number for them. I'm just curious what happens in two weeks or next week, actually. What happens next or what happens tomorrow night? You think the number goes up? Do you think the number goes down for this week? I think it goes down a smidge, right? There's a lot of buzz coming off that first night. You're going to see it go down. Just drop a little bit, but I don't think it's going to go down like Raw does from week to week. And I, and I would I would think it's going to do much better on the Wednesday going up against AEW um, would be my guess. That's got to be your golden date. October 2nd, you're going to see, I think this is going to probably do a 1.2. And I, I listen, I'm feeling pretty good about AEW right now. I, I don't know what you're thinking, Nick, but I'm thinking... 1.2 million for them as well. You think so? I don't know. I feel like there's been so. I mean, it's been a year of build here for this this debut on TNT. I'm thinking maybe close to two. Okay, would be my right. guess. But who knows? I mean, maybe a little ambitious there. Um, well, some other news coming out of the uh, NXT uh, USA debut. It was announced uh, that NXT superstars Velveteen Dream, Arturo Ruiz, and Kona Reeves are not cleared to compete after suffering minor injuries during the show. Uh, new talent. Uh, Matt Camp made the announcement in a WWE Now video. Uh, here's some updates on each talent. Reeves was busted open during the pre-show dark match against Damian Priest. Uh, Camp revealed that Reeves needed stitches and may have orbital damage. He's set to be reevaluated once the swelling goes down. Ruas uh, reportedly needed x-rays to his fingers following his loss to Pete Dunne. And the Velveteen Dream was seen walking gingerly after his NXT North American title loss to Roderick Strong. Uh, according to the report, he is suffering from uh, lumbar pain. So there you go. Full injury. A lot of injuries coming out. I, I like how they did this like a sport, right? Yeah. They, 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 they rolled it out and they said, here's the injury report coming out of NXT. Um, can we trust it? I guess is my only question, you know? Oh, you can never trust it. If it's coming from the, you're coming from the company that once put out a press release about Donald Trump buying Monday Night Raw. Yeah. You can absolutely not trust anything I, they put out. But I read, I read this and I was like, wow, this is really cool. This is like an injury report, a post-show injury report, just like, you know, the football game. But then I'm like, oh, wait, it's theater. <laughs> is anybody really injured? I don't know. There's always confusion, I think, a little bit around this stuff. Well, it's that sweet spot in between real life versus fantasy, right? And then we're not trying to bring in personal lives, you know, people's families and whatever to make it quote unquote reality or attitude era ish. But 
I do like the treat it more like a sport. And so make these announcements, to your point, more like a sport rundown. And I think it's much more effective and it causes us to buy in more as fans. Who cares if some of these are made up or not real or, you know, some of them are and some of them aren't. I don't need, you know, I want to know as a journalist, but I don't need to know as a fan. Uh, well, we also had uh, Pro Wrestling Sheets report, and this this is legitimate, right? This is a legitimate news source here, Ryan Satin. Uh, NXT superstar Joaquin Wild set to undergo surgery for a broken eye socket soon. Uh, Wild, uh, formerly known as DJZ in Impact Wrestling, uh, reportedly suffered the injury back in July in what was described as a freak accident during training. Doctors held off on the surgery for a few weeks to see if the surgery would heal itself, but now they've decided the surgery is the best option. Wild is expected to miss a few more weeks of action after the surgery. So, uh, DJ Z, send, send our best. Sad to hear that. He's had a lot of yeah. horrible injuries in his career. So, oh, orbital, man, that kind of orbital bone injury, ugh, no good. And I think about it, too. I'm like, oh, you're in the performance center. Who knows? You're laying there. Somebody messes up a shooting star press or something like that. Um, and I'm not saying that's what happened, right? But that's how orbital sockets have been broken in the past. But, yeah, freak accident, man. Wrestling's very dangerous. Yeah, it is. And it's it's just just like MMA, right? How many times MMA bouts get, you know, canned or postponed because people take injuries during training camp? No different than, than these guys here. Um, well, uh, tying in here to NXT, I decided to lump the NXT and the AEW stuff together for a block. Uh, Sportskeeda chatted with Kenny Omega, who commented on NXT talent. He said, let's pretend there was no wars. Let's pretend it sounds very John Lennon of him. Let's pretend there are <laughs> there were no wars. Imagine all the wrestling. Um, let's pretend there were no promotions. <laughs> this does read like John Lennon. Let's pretend there's just one promotion. If these guys were on the same show as me, they'd be in the dark match. They'd be in the opening match for my main event match. Uh, NXT's Dominic Digi <laughs> Damn Dijakovic responded saying, "Hey Kenny, remember when my match with Keith Lee embarrassed yours?" On your PWG homecoming weekend of BOLA 2017, tune in this Wednesday to NXT TV on USA at 8 p.m. so two developmental guys can show a real star how it's done again. Omega on BTE called him Dominic Dickhead. So that's where we're at right now in the NXT AEW Wars. This was a stiff shot here from Kenny. Oh, my gosh. And it's it's almost feels like it's a little bit of heel Kenny Omega, right? Like Kenny Omega kind of smelling his own ego here and, and kind of flaunting it out there. And listen, this may be the most divisive thing I ever say on the podcast. I love Kenny Omega, but you know, to say Kenny Omega is, is without fault in the ring would be a huge mistake here. Imagine, Just saying. imagine there are no wars. <laughs> you know, I, I get it right. We're at this stage in the Wednesday night wars where everybody's vying for that spot, especially and it's, it's all about NXT AEW, And I love that vibe. Um, but, you know, I guess Kenny Omega still doesn't understand AEW's in a lot of great stuff. They've still got a lot to prove by going to TV. And unfortunately, NXT got ahead of them and has proven, hey, we can get out there. We can do a TV show without issue and deliver great wrestling to the fans. So, you know, I, I kind of see him as the underdog. And I, I, I kind of like um, Dominic pushing back here a little bit. I think it's great, you know. And yeah, Kenny, I'm really because I know he's like. He's like in this descent of madness on the BTE stuff right now where he's like can't handle being on top. And so he's getting we're getting like a heel Kenny Omega. I mean, I feel like the AEW fans are gonna be like, no, you're great. You're our yep. baby face. Right. Yep. So very this is some three dimensional chess going on here at the moment. Imagine all the wrestling. <laughs>
It's good though. I love the cross the cross bickering between the two companies. It's it's nothing but positive for wrestling fans. I'm gonna have that stuck in my head all day today. Uh, well, also from the world of AEW, Adam Page has been confirmed for the debut episode of AEW Dynamite. Felt that was kind of maybe a given, but there you go. <laughs> He'll be there. Uh, also, AEW Dynamite. Uh, we'll be airing on a tape delay on the West Coast, uh, not live as expected. That means it will be head-to-head with NXT on the West Coast, too, since that is also on a tape delay. For for AEW fans on the West Coast, a live feed is possible if you have DirecTV, which carries an East Coast feed nationwide. Uh, the TNT app on mobile, Roku, Fire Stick, Apple TV, web browser is also an option to get a live feed, as it has both the West and East Coast feeds available. TV cable provider information is needed to log in via those services. Uh, I felt the need to read all of that in case you're on the West Coast and you listen to this show and you were like, hey, how do I watch AEW Dynamite? There's all, the, there's everything. That's all of it. Um, <clears throat> the rap. Gotta have cable. Sorry, millennials and zennials and <laughs> well, youngins. Well, you know, yeah. Get, I don't know. I have cable, so whatever. I have to, though. Uh, the rap, uh, report, the rap uh, last AEW note here spoke with Warner Media's Brett White. Uh, he is the general manager for TNT, TBT, and True TV. He said that they are currently in talk uh, talks with AEW officials about doing a studio show. So it sounds like WWE will have this FS1 studio show here that we'll get to here in just a moment. But it sounds like uh, AEW might also have a studio show, which I would guess would be where Shivani would fit into all this thing because that's kind of his role right now. Yeah, and, and he'd be a great host for it. You know, my question about this is, what does this look like? You know, they're only doing two hours of TV a week, which is a lot. But are you then going to do an hour of a, a studio show based off of two hours of TV every week? Do you tie in some of the BTE stuff? And then my follow-up question to that is, again, we've not seen what AEW – I know we've seen lots of their pay-per-views. We've not seen what a weekly TV show produced by AEW looks like yet. Are they going to do – backstage interview segments that aren't BTE related. Are they going to do, I know they said we're not going to open up, you know, dynamite each week with a, a long 20 minute promo segment, all that kind of jazz like raw does every week. But what does their version of cutting promos in the ring, cutting promos backstage, what does that look like? Cause you're going to need some of that content. If you're going to do this kind of studio show and a question mark, I'm not saying they can't do it, but I am super anxious to see how they execute on those things. I am also equally fascinated to see how all that stuff comes together here. Um, and, uh, yeah, they've done a great job, I think, laying the foundation for a studio show. It's, again, with the Shivani stuff, the Control Center, uh, just very well done. So I, th- I see that going very well. Uh, I'll, I'll jump down here and I'll include the stuff about WWE's uh, studio show here. WWE filed uh, to trademark WWE's The Bump on Monday, September 16th. Uh, it looks to be the name of the FS1 studio show. We're going to be hosted by Renee Young. But the big lead reporting, uh, the show is slated to debut on Tuesday, November 5th. And the current working name is WWE Backstage. Uh, I prefer WWE Backstage to The Bump because every time I hear The Bump, I think of either wrestlers falling down or cocaine. Or, it's, well, yeah, see, so again, you're going with the, the crack here throughout the show it's running true. theme. Mm-hmm. Or it sounds like one of those terrible... Wednesday night sitcoms on ABC, right? Yeah. What happens when two families join together? Find out on The Bump. I would watch that show. I love Wife Swap, though. So I would watch that. Each week, two families are chosen from across the country. They're blindfolded, thrown into a van, and driven across the country. That's what I always imagine. No, it's like, this has got to be some kind of, like, you know, accidental pregnancy story, right? The Bump. When one girl... F- yeah, whatever. Well, now yeah, I got to do the... Now I got to do the accidental pregnancy... News bit here since we have one. Uh, PW Insider, you are the father. PWInsider.com reporting 
There's been a pitch within WWE to have Maury Povich participate in a Raw segment to push the Maria baby storyline. That news came out uh, end of last week over the weekend. Povich then tweeted out, Maria, Mike, Rusev, no need to fight it out in the ring. If you're looking for a paternity test, give us a call. That's what we need. Now we're full attitude era. If Povich yeah, this is get- good. Oh, this. Oh man, can we get this like next week on the season premiere? I want to see this. I, this is like the most Vince McMahon thing to do ever, right? Pull up something that was popular about a decade ago and then reintroduce it to a wrestling audience as though it's still relevant. We're going to do, do a paternity test. We got to get Maury. Give me Maury. Um, all right. Uh, Ra- at WrestleVotes reporting that Raw and SmackDown, they're going to be getting new sets here very shortly uh, as they go into their new uh, seasons and new network here for SmackDown. Uh, we're also going to see a regular return of Pyro to WWE TV. Great news. Uh, I think it's been really lacking, and especially uh, you know going up against AEW where they've shown they're going to be using Pyro. I think, this gonna, I think it's going to bring a lot to it. I, I miss the Pyro. Yeah, Pyro adds a nice little flair. I'm more interested by the new sets. Do they, you know, obviously it seems like they're going to separate Raw and SmackDown even more instead of the kind of the typical universal set they have now. Uh, but Nick, I could ask you a question. I put this out there on Twitter. Got some negative feedback about it. You know, Raw and SmackDown getting a change up here. AEW going to be doing arena shows on Wednesday night. What about NXT? What about Full Sail? Do do you see them staying there long term? No. Do you think? No. Do you? I mean. My opinion, right? Just my opinion. I think if I'm a more casual wrestling fan, I look at NXT, flip over to AEW, see them in an arena. I think, not this is no discredit, WWE does great production things down there in full sale. I love everything about the full sale audience, but I flip back and forth. I think it makes NXT look a little bit small potatoes with that 200 and some crowd. I agree. I agree. And I said that I said nearly the same thing on like Thursday's weekly or something like that with Justin after watching the show. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it just visually, I, I think the visually, it contrasts them way too much. I don't yep. think the in-ring product is, is lacking. I don't think the stories no. are lacking. I just think that you look at one or the other, you're going to have one that's in a big stadium with a lot of pyro and lights and lasers. And then you're going to look over here and you're going to see this one that's in like a dark room. I think that one stands out o- over the other, just visually. It um, looks like, I mean, this is a little bit of a knock, but it looks like Ring of Honor versus uh, weekly WWE TV almost. And, NXT does miles better with their production values, don't get me wrong, but just the size of the crowd, the dark arena, yeah. Um, Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler had a quote-unquote altercation at a steakhouse in Las Vegas. What's with the, what's the deal with all the steakhouse being the new <laughs> backdrop for everything pro wrestling? That's all wrestlers eat, right? The Rockies always talk about ordering a steak after shows. All they can do is pure protein. I guess. Uh, well, Goldberg shared the video. He wrote, it's a damn good thing I wasn't still hungry. Um, now, did you watch the video of these two getting pulled apart? Yeah. One of the dudes is, like, laughing about it. One of the guys yeah. holding Ziggler back. <laughs> yeah, that was Bad. good stuff. Bad. Bad. Uh, Riddle comment. Matt Riddle, infamous troll of, of Bill Goldberg, commented, why, don't, why didn't you try this with me? I would have had an even better story for Watch Along. Uh, me too, guys. Don't forget about me over here. Uh, Ziggler, Ziggler has uh, also responded saying, uh, dipshit took a break from ruining wrestling to ruin my night off. I'm not interested. Get a hobby or go fishing or something. Maybe you can do that without getting hurt. No other warning or comments on this from me. Thanks. Um, now, PW Insider reporting that people within WWE are expecting the Vegas altercation to lead to a uh, SmackDown Fox appearance uh, by Goldberg, maybe even on the debut, which is fine. But Ziggler Goldberg is not the match I want. I want Riddle Goldberg. I feel like Ziggler is saying a lot of the Riddle stuff 
and it's like the main roster version uh, of Matt Riddle right now. And I, I want pure, uncut, Bogota, Riddle, Goldberg. Yeah. It's weird that they'd go back to the Ziggler. Well, I mean, I get why they did it. You know, Goldberg, Ziggler kind of pulled Goldberg out of that spot he was in post the Saudi Arabia show where it was such a bad showing. Ziggler made Goldberg look like a million bucks. So that whole feud, weird and contained as it was, made sense to me. But why they're going back to the well on this, I don't know. There are so many other things you could do if you have Goldberg there on the roster coming to SmackDown. Um, And Riddle, again, Riddle would be a great matchup for Goldberg. And I think fans would be intrigued by that, but Riddle always comes across in these scenarios as the tag along. Hey, me too, guys, don't forget about me over here. And, um, it makes him look kind of lame by comparison. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going to, I mean, if he comes out with Goldberg going to beat him up five more times, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give more, gets people what they want. Uh, wrestling observer reporting the Vince McMahon, very high on Chad Gable. Really likes and appreciates him. He sees his King of the Ring push. <laughs> he sees his King of the Ring run as a push. Great. Good. <laughs> That's Chad, what it was, right? <laughs> Chad Gable, very good wrestler. Works very hard. Vince McMahon likes and appreciates him. Wonderful story. All positive. Good. Chad's been great in his run. I like, I like him at Baron Corbin. I love the robe Corbin's rocking. That thing is cool. Yes. He looks I love. I love the story that they smash the one crown to bring back the darker crown, right? That the Corbin crown, really, that's what that is. It's awesome. It's really cool. It's a cool, it's a good look for him. I like King Corbin. He got like new music and everything, a little like an alteration of his, his song a little bit, right? Yeah, it's got like a little more intense. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. And now, you know, digging Chad Gable, I'm glad we so often see guys who are workhorses like Chad Gable who seem underappreciated by the boss. So I'm glad, as, as you put it, Vince McMahon really likes and appreciates him. I appreciate you because I just I imagine that's the conversation. Well, and how how wild was it? Cedric Alexander, the guy who allegedly Vince is trying to bury, he looked like a house of fire popping out of nowhere on Raw last night. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting, right? Because if he was trying to bury him, why would he put him on TV every week? Why would he make him look like such a badass character? Right? Yep. I think somebody said something to some news people sometime for the intent of getting the fans to think that Cedric is being buried right now in hopes of getting mm-hmm. him a larger reaction, methinks. I wonder if Vince appreciates Cedric, though. Uh, Maybe he, he likes him, not appreciate. Yeah. I like you, but I don't appreciate you. <laughs> uh, well, Chad Gable's former uh, tag team partner, uh, uh, Jason Jordan, the Observer, has got an update on, on Jason. Uh, unfortunately, it, it doesn't sound like Jason Jordan's going to be returning to in-ring action for WWE. He is still listed on the Raw roster. He's been out of action since February 2018 after undergoing neck surgery. Uh, w- WWE has had him working as a backstage producer because his in-ring return was pushed back. Uh, and by all accounts, we've heard in the past few months, he's been very good in that role, even in creative He's listened to. Uh, it was reported in January of this year that Jordan was doing, yeah, pretty good, but still having issues with his gripping power and his inability to make a fist in one hand and his inability to fully control the same hand. Jordan is less likely to return than someone like Sheamus, who has been cleared, obviously. And uh, there's been talk in the past that his in-ring career could be over. Very unfortunate. Um, this this is kind of a weird because it started off so definitive, like he's not coming back, but then by the end. If they're reading it, it's like, well, there's been talk of him, his career being over. It just doesn't sound like he's going to be getting back into the ring anytime soon. So, obviously, you know, Jay's a very talented athlete, and he obviously loves pro wrestling. I, I would hope he gets to have that Daniel Bryan-type comeback, you know, against all odds. But a uh, uh, sad bit of news here for Jason Jordan. I'm glad WWE, kudos to them for using him as a backstage producer, giving him that ability to still work in the business he loves. Yeah, yeah Jason Jordan, great talent. You know, it does seem like maybe Chad Gable is 
filling a spot. Jason Jordan was getting a push until the injury, and, and now Chad Gable's kind of getting that really athletic wrestler base kind of character push. So, um, you know, that's that's the silver lining here, but unfortunate news for Jason Jordan. Uh, well, the Street Profits uh, were on more Raw news. You know what? I was wrong. There was a lot of news coming out of Raw. I just put it all over the damn run sheet in different places. I didn't put it together in, in a chunk. Like I, I like do. Can I just say, I, I never, you know, I don't normally call you out for stuff on the air, but I like the original run sheet you sent us, which um, <laughs> literally said, um, Jason Jordan will not be returning to in-ring action for WWE. And that was it. And, you know, we could spend an hour talking about that. I hit the return button accidentally, <laughs> and it sent that email prematurely. That was a premature email. <laughs> It was not intended to be sent. I said, I'll sit. Is Okay. Anyway. We're diving deep into one topic today. It's Jason Jordan. <laughs> All right. TJ Maxx. All right. The Street Profits uh, were on Raw. Uh, they revealed that Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are going to be on Miz TV next week as part of the Raw season premiere. Uh, they were in San Francisco. I had to look where, up where Raw was after this because Ric Flair, a lot of woos. Um, Hogan was <laughs> roundly booed, it sounded like, in the arena when the, when his name was mentioned. Yep. Yeah, I, I, his legacy is not what it once was, and I don't think WWE has realized that yet. Yeah, man, that uh, you make you know you make the decision to run the live mic for the crowd and do this segment live. You get what you get. I thought that I had to rewind it and then look up where they were. Oh, San Francisco, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey James were commentary for main event before Raw last night with Vic Joseph and Dio Madden, who are rumored to be going up to Raw here pretty soon. Uh, Mickey remains a member of the SmackDown roster, but she underwent successful surgery to repair a torn ACL back in mid-July. It was reported she could be out for seven to nine months. Uh, she suffered the knee injury back uh, on June 1st, and this was her first major surgery in 20 years. I remember her uh, putting a long post out about that. So 20 years is her first surgery. Uh, PW Insider is reporting there's also talk of her working as a producer. Either role would be great. Mickey James is an absolute legend, uh, especially in women's wrestling. So find a role for her. You don't want her going to AEW, that's for damn sure. Yeah, she'd be a huge gift for them. And, you know, she's kind of back in the news. She was uh, at the NASCAR race this weekend riding in the pace car or something. So, you know, she's getting out and about. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be a cool spot for her and a great way to use a legend. Agreed. Uh, Well, Daniel Bryan worked as a babyface during his loss to WWE champion Kofi Kingston in the main event of Friday's WWE Live event from Manila. Um, Bryan came out to a huge babyface reaction. He worked more of as a face than he has the past year or so, according to two of our correspondents that were in attendance. Uh, Brian also shook Kofi's hands, a hand a number of times, uh, raised his arm after the match, getting the crowd to give it up once again for Kofi. Another correspondent noted the match went almost 20 minutes, and while Brian worked as a babyface, he was still not doing the yes chant. Roman Reigns uh, is, oh, yeah, and on that note, Roman Reigns is set to clear the air with Daniel on SmackDown tonight. So, uh, yeah, last week, Roman, Daniel, both laid out by, I get, can we call them the Bludgeon Brothers? Is that, or are they just Harper and Rowan now? Who are Harper are, and Rowan? I don't know if they have a name. The Wyatt family reunited? Murderers is what they're called. <laughs> Murderers. Attempted. Attempted. Attempted murderers, assassins for hire. Rowan, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Somebody tried Attempted to call me. Murders. Somebody tried to call What is going on? Somebody's trying to call me here. Here, I'll edit this out. What is going opportunity. on? Opportunity. When the opportunity calls, Nick, you answer. Murderers. I don't know who that is. Uh, anyway, um, back to it here. Uh, so, we, uh, so, yeah, Daniel Bryan attacked by Harper and Rowan alongside uh, Roman Reigns. Is this uh, is this? Do you think this is it? Did, are we gonna get the Daniel Bryan babyface turn? Are we going? Is that the direction we're going with now? 
it, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, he's working as a babyface at house shows. It feels like a very natural turn. That's what I like about this. You know, he's not doing the yes chance, right? That's the true blue babyface Daniel Bryan motif. But this whole thing has been so, again, kind of booked on the fly almost by Eric Bischoff and company or whoever. But it has been a very organic process from the perspective of Daniel Bryan was a bad guy and he kind of became a good guy by proxy. And so maybe tonight is the full on, okay, I'm back to being good. It's something we don't get a lot this day and age in wrestling. It feels like you oftentimes get this guy is bad and now he is good because he helped this person out or this guy is good and he turns on everybody else so he is bad. So I do like that piece of it. Again, how organic the whole situation feels. They need top baby faces right now in WWE. Sure. And Daniel Bryan... So well liked. I mean, I, you know, I think he has proven that he can play that heel role very, very well. But we need top baby faces right now, especially going into what could be a little bit of a, a war with AEW. Having Daniel Bryan as a baby face is fantastic, and I, I welcome it back. It's time. He's he's got a fan friendly move set too, right? We don't talk a lot about this, but guys who have certain kinds of moves that get the fans into it, get them behind them. Brian, being a genius like he is, could work against that, but you pull that in with the yes chance and everything else, his moveset matches up and is a very crowd-pleasing kind of style. Uh, so let's uh, let's go over the saga. So it's been five days since we did the Winkly. Uh, in that time, there were a number of WWE 24-7 title changes. <laughs> so EC3 won and lost the title on Friday at the WWE Live Event Manila to R-Truth, starting Truth's 17th title run and EC3 second. Then uh, the next night in Shanghai, EC3 won and lost the title back to R-Truth, starting Truth's 18th title run, and that was EC3's third. Then the next uh, then the next night in Honolulu, EC3 won and lost the title back to R-Truth, starting Truth's 19th title run, and that was EC3's fourth reign, bringing us to Raw, where Carmella pinned Truth to begin her first title reign, uh, took the title, and then... Jumped on our truth back and it took off. So Carmella is the twenty four seven champion. Uh, kind of f- fun, unexpected. But you know, I was wrong again. I was wrong. There was news coming out of Raw last night. I just put it all over the run sheet. <laughs> Carmella, there was a title change. Carmella has beaten our truth, and but they're still friends. That's good. <laughs> Those, I honestly thought I was like, holy crap, we're a week away from the Wednesday Night Wars and the or WWE is going to turn off 24-7 title, right? That's what it felt like last night's segment was, is this has gone on too long. Let's not, let's do away with it. I don't know. Um, Yeah, again, they're out there doing their thing, getting that kind of buzz all over the place. I still wonder how much longer does this title have in it? I agree. I mean, it needs, it needed something different. It needed a new direction. Carmella with the title, uh, maybe friction. It doesn't look like there's going to be friction with truth. I don't know. Right. I'm not totally burned out on it yet, but I'm getting pretty damn close, you know? Yep. So, anyway. A uh, couple sports-related notes here. Braun Strowman appeared in the broadcast booth during the second inning of the Cubs versus Cardinals game on Friday. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment here because I uh, they also advertised the WWE SmackDown moving truck was going to be uh, at Wrigley for mm. this game on Friday, right? And so me being... Wrestling Inc.'s managing editor, Nick Hausman. I live a 20-minute walk from Wrigley Field. I was like, I'm going to go over at the end of my day before this game, and I'm going to go see the moving truck. I was actually planning on interviewing the truck. I brought my equipment to do as such. <laughs> and uh, I get down there, and I, I walked all around Wrigley. I walked all around Wrigley. No truck. I couldn't find that truck anywhere. I guess apparently it showed up on, like, Saturday downtown by, like, Lake and, and whatever downtown. 
but I couldn't find it out Wrigley. I went I went out of my way to go find this thing and give it coverage, interview the truck. No truck. Mm. No I show. Wa- and I wondered if it was in the stadium, but that seemed like illogical that they would bring a moving truck what, out onto Wrigley Field. That seems awful, right? Mm-hmm. You damage the field, right? So I was a little let down by that. So anyway, I went. I tried everybody. I really tried, and I had to send Raj a sad text. I was like, "This is my generation's Lex Express. It's not here." <laughs> wow. All right. So anyway, Braun was inside the stadium. Sim- similarly disappointing <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Yes, it was. So Braun was inside the stadium while I was aimlessly walking around outside trying to find this truck. Um, and he's doing his little thing in the second inning. He's on commentary. They talk a little bit about wrestling because you know it's a baseball game. It's a long game. Cubs Cardinals, by the way, great match or great great game. Um, and ESPN's Keith Olbermann sees this on Twitter, and he, like, quote retweets, you guys are kidding, right? Like, shading Braun Strowman and wrestling fans for sh- having the audacity to show up during this legitimate baseball contest. Braun wrote back, yeah, I know, right? It's unreal how good I looked on the show today. And this sparked all kinds of wrestling personalities from Mark Henry, Corey Graves, Sean Waltman, and others to trash Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann, Braun Strowman. Not a feud I expected in 2019. 2019 pro wrestling, really weird. Ron's got it out for those public personalities, you know, Michael J. and Colin Joust. <clears throat> yeah. Olbermann here, looking out of touch, right? Olbermann is a storied veteran sports journalist, and ESPN has doubled down heavily on the WWE coverage in recent years, especially WrestleMania. They've played it up in their own, you know, their own segment. Um, on ESPN's TVs before. So yeah, all these things happening for ESPN covering wrestling and Keith Olbermann just looks like the old fogey over there. Wow, wrestling's fake. Y'all haven't heard. So uh, it's strange that Olbermann would do that. I mean, what what does it serve at this point? I don't know. Attention. So maybe you get Olbermann, he can come out and get squashed by Braun. That's fine. Keith Olbermann. Um, the other one though, and I didn't have this on the run sheet, but it did come to me as I was reading this. Uh, Ray Mysterio was at the Vikings game uh, yeah, on Sunday, and the announcers were like, "Oh, look, it's it's uh, it's Ray Mysterio. He's like Nacho Libre." They made like a Nacho Libre joke, oh, and yeah. everyone was like, "I roll." Now, here's the thing: I get it, I get it, right? Like you want to have we as wrestling fans, we have a huge amount of respect for Ray Luchadors, the mask, casual non wrestling fans. You know, I don't know. Should we take ourselves so seriously, I guess, is the thing. You know, in, in a sport where we, like, or an inter- a form of entertainment where everybody prides themselves on being able to say things and get away with things, and then this guy comes along and he says what he thinks would probably relate to a more casual or non-wrestling fan about what he's seeing this masked man here. He's like, oh, who doesn't love Nacho Libre, right? Is it is it bad, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Like, are we taking ourselves too seriously when something like this happens? Because I don't know that he meant it like a slight like Keith Olbermann did. He was just, this is all he could think of because he's a non-wrestling person who saw a dude in a mask, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think, number one, sports journalists need to get brushed up a little bit. This on... is on Fox. Yeah, I agree. This is your partner here now. That that was that was, that was a, that was a miss. Yeah. Because it, I think it does portray your – it portrays your product in a certain light, right? I'm not saying we have to get up in arms and be offended by everything, but I do think there's this element of equating professional wrestling. And now we do this to ourselves because – well, we do this, but WWE does this by some of the segments they put on over the years by becoming that base-level entertainment that is trashy at times, right? We do this to ourselves, right? But I think by equating us to the most obvious examples that don't accurately and fully represent what I think most people love about the sport – I think does it a disservice and oversimplifies, you know, what is a very nuanced, uh, the, you know, the magistry of luchadors, as you, as you mentioned, right. the in, the in ring style and wrestling and art form there, the storytelling, all that being surmised by Nacho Libre, which again, worst things you could call it, Nacho Libre, not the worst movie in the world. So 
I, oversimplification is my only problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, smarten up your broadcasters. Have don't respect wrestling. Dude, to trash it. Dude. Make fun of it. Uh, all right. Well, th- those were weird stories. Uh, but I think this one is the maybe the weirdest story of the week. Uh, Lacey Evans. A lot of news today. <laughs> a lot of news, yeah. Michael, from the last five days. Lacey and Evans. TJ Maxx. So I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm going to that DJ Maxx again today. Uh, Lacey Evans has released video of her getting a speeding ticket in Canada and, like, talking trash to the Mountie who, like, gave it to her. Um, she originally tweeted this video out with the in, in the caption, one, Canada is terrible, question, question, question mark, two, you know exactly who I am, and three, you will be speaking to my lawyer. Now, <laughs> as soon as I saw this thing, I was like, something's, something's got to be up and some people are getting in trouble. Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police had to release a statement about this video saying the female motorist was stopped for a speeding infraction where a provincial office uh, offense, a, a, a provincial offense notice was issued. Following the issuing of the ticket, the female motorist engaged in a courteous and polite conversation with the member where the motorist identified herself as a sports entertainer. See, that's a smartened up comment right there from the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Vince would be happy. She identified herself as a sports entertainer for WWE. She asked the member if he would participate in a rehearsed interaction on camera with her WWE persona and the member obliged. This seems like some very bad, this seems like a bad idea. I don't know. <laughs> Learn the lines, dude. I wouldn't have the balls that I, you know, not that she does, but I wouldn't have the temerity to ask a police officer to participate in my wrestling angle, but that's just me. Lacey then took to Twitter, said as a prior law enforcement uh, office or as a as prior law enforcement myself and a U.S. Marine, I do not condone, agree with, or promote disrespecting or making LEOs jobs harder than they already are. The video was created by both parties to promote the local live event taking place in the Edmonton era as a sports entertainer. Again, good. It's my job to not only entertain but also set the proper example. So with that being said, I'm glad you were all entertained. But if you ever try to honestly disrespect or put my brothers and sisters in blue and harm, I hope you get what you ask. She also said to CTV, my character is a sassy bad guy, so I play the role often. The general public now believes this interaction was real when the officer and I planned to start recording and have him walk up with the citation in hand. As prior law enforcement myself, I didn't expect people to honestly believe this was real. Considering I am an entertainer and was in town for a performance. Finally, the Mounted Police of Canada saw why, that. Why would you why would you do this and then come out and say I don't condone? Because it's a bad idea. It's a lot of bad ideas that happen here. Now the everything seemed fine here, except for the fact that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Corporal Chris Warren apparently saw Lacey's comments to CTV. He reached out to CTV when she said that this was the citation was all part of this, and he said, well, that's news to me. I know the original traffic stop was legitimate, and I don't have any further information at this time. So this is where I think you've maybe ruffled some feathers here with the Canadian police, where it's like, you made it, you did a video where you showed we could be insulted, and then you implied that we could be worked into, uh, you know, pretending there are offenses here where there are none when you actually, this was this was not a work, this is a shoot you legitimately were speeding and I kind of think that this all maybe should not have happened, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Pro wrestling runs deep in Canada. You know, don't want to let it let the fans in on the angle here, right? I gotta respect uh, Corporal Chris Warren here for uh, sticking to the sticking to his gun. This is for real. Wrestling is for real. That angle was not an angle; it was real. Uh, Impact Wrestling. Good news for Impact. They are moving to Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, taking SmackDown's time slot, but they will be on Access TV starting October 29th. Prior to the big launch, the company is going to air all of their 2019 pay-per-view events each Tuesday leading up uh, to a preview show that will air on the 22nd, and then, of course, the the big debut on the 29th. Um, Impact has been knocking out of the park with their pay-per-views. That is great for everybody. If you haven't had a chance to, to watch Impact Wrestling recently, I really would encourage you to set your DVR, watch those three pay-per-views. It'll give you a very good idea of what you can expect here on the 29th. Um, great move. Good job. Yeah. Wrestling every night of the week. Number one, kudos to Impact Wrestling. I think this is a smart time slot for them. But, yeah, as fans, we got wrestling every night of the week except for Thursday. So let's bring back Thunder, right? I'm sure. Bring back Thunder in paradise. <laughs> well, they'll not do that. <laughs> Too far. I love Access TV. Farm Aid. Go check it out. All right. Anyway, uh, TJ Maxx and Farm Aid. I am an adult. <laughs> I am an adult. And Jason Jordan. There's our show. Dropkick Discussions, a podcast I did not know existed, but here they are. Uh, they had on Stevie Richards. Uh, he revealed that he wanted to try out for the XFL. He says, Gene Snitsky, you know, the one that kicked the baby? He and I were considering <laughs> trying out for XFL teams. He was a former uh, former lineman, a lineman or a linebacker, one of the big trench guys. I was going to try out for a field goal kicker because, you know, back in high school, I was a field goal kicker. So I felt like it might be a you know cool thing to try out. There was no team locally here for me to try, so I didn't end up doing it. <laughs> oh, back in high school, I was good at this thing. So here I am. 40 years later, right? 30 years later. I love the very accurate transcription. He was a lineman. I don't know. Lineman or a linebacker. You know, one of the, I don't know. One, one of the, the big trench guys. One of the big guys out there just pushing people around. He kicked the baby. He kicked the baby. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I would have loved it. What a great story. If Stevie Richards had become a kicker for an XFL team, that would have been my team. 100%. 100%. Mm. Uh, Pro and Bro Podcast, another another podcast didn't know existed. Here we go. <laughs> They're <laughs> everywhere these days. No offense, no offense. That's good. We're giving them some giving them some love here. Pro and Bro Podcast. Uh, David Benoit was on. He said that he is no longer allowed backstage at WWE events. Uh, I don't think he explicitly said it, but it does seem like it was because the last time he was backstage, he wore an AEW jacket, which would be a big no no. Um, but uh, this interview, I guess, was recorded like two weeks ago because he was over the weekend. Backstage at a WWE live event in Edmonton. He had a photo with Natalia and Cesaro. Um, he was asked on the podcast uh, about wanting to join AEW. He said, I'm just messing around in the ring right now with a couple guys from AEW. I want to go to AEW 100%. I love AEW. I love what they do for the boys and take care of them. Um, I If this guy wants to wrestle, if he's got talent, fine. I, I don't think that his life should be dictated based off the sins of his father, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think also it's worth putting out there. It does give him more of an uphill battle just because of perception and the name affiliation and not saying he shouldn't do it. If that's his passion in life, you know, he just needs to know. He says, I'm just messing around in the ring right now with a couple of guys from AEW. That's fine. But if you're going to do this, it's got to be your passion because it's going to be both easier, but also stunningly harder than it would be for certain other people. Do you change the name? Do you get rid of the Benoit part? I, I mean, that's the whole, do we divide the, the guy who was the great in ring entertainer from the guy who was the real life human train wreck, right? 
I the name Benoit the name. means two different things, and I, I don't know. I would change the name. I think it's okay yeah. to say, of course, his father was, you know, a legendary cruiserweight, but he's his own man now. I would, I would work towards a divide there if I were him. But again, his career in his own hands. You know, he shouldn't be dictated by the sins of his father. Uh, TMZ Sports caught up with Dana White. He revealed that The Rock is going to be presenting the BMF title to the winner of Nate Diaz versus George Masvidal uh, fight at UFC 244. Um, this isn't a huge surprise to me. I mean, UFC and WWE seem to have some kind of relationship. Uh, UM, UM, UME, the agency that bought UFC a couple years ago, their their talent agency also represents The Rock. So I think all these things mixed together. Mm. You, yep. Yeah. Also, that's a cool title, right? I mean, it's just a bad, literally a badass title. Yeah. Uh, Glow has announced it will get a fourth season and that it will be its final season. I am sad about this, but um, better to Seinfeld it than go too long, I suppose, right? Yeah, Seinfeld was good all to the end. Yeah, whatever. That's Peter. good, yeah, up until the last episode, which was weird. <laughs> I like it, although Netflix is running out of good shows, so yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Um, what was I? Oh, we're really into the Great British Baking Show right now. Also, Disenchanted is good. Watch that this weekend. Mm-hmm. That Grody show? Mm-hmm. Good. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad, so that's my life. And wrestling. Um, Bandito has won the PWG Battle of Los Angeles 2019. He defeated David Starr, recent guest on the show, and Jonathan Gresham in the finals. Congratulations, Bandito. I, he needs to break out in, in Ring of Honor. I don't like him buried in the lifeblood thing. They need to let him shine more. I'm, I'm, yeah, he's a star, dude. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't get... I don't get how Ring of Honor handle. I mean, I don't get how they're handling Bandito. It's weird to me. He's you got a unique look, great style. He's young. Yeah, dude's a star. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, here some good news before we go to Taz and Taven. Kylie Ray returned to pro wrestling this past Saturday night for freelance wrestling here in Chicago. Uh, she replaced Shotzi Blackheart last minute to take on Isaiah Velasquez. Of course, Tony Khan confirmed at the last AEW press scrums or media scrums. Uh, that Kylie had uh, left. There was no hard feelings uh, between her and AW that she had requested a release. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of speculation because of Kylie's uh, not wanting to speak out about what's going on here. Obviously, it's something personal. It sounds like, and you know, to give her her space. I will say, I reached out to Matt Nix, who is the owner proprietor of Freelance Wrestling, good friend of mine. I'm a freelance friend. Uh, I, I extended the invitation. I said, if she wants to talk about her return. You know, feel free to let me know. He said, now it's not good. She's not ready to talk yet. I said, that's totally fine. The offer's there. So for everybody that's like, hey, why is nobody getting this interview? Trust me. I tried respectfully. <laughs> was told no, not right now. So there you go. Working on it. Working yep. on it. But yeah. good for her. I'm happy to see her back in rest. She seemed very happy. I watched uh, bits and pieces of, uh, of her match on over on Twitter. You know, we, we make a big deal about why did she leave AEW and what's the story there and as journalists that it's important to us. The fans want to know, too, because they're into Kylie Ray. At the end of the day, though, right, the important thing here is she's moving on with her career. She's back in the ring. She seems like she's going to be back in her happy space. She's moving forward. So let's just make this a, a happy ending uh, to this story and let her kind of continue on and hopefully do great things in her future. My guest at this time is a two-time ECW World Heavyweight Champion. He is also a former WWE superstar and commentator. He is the current host of The Taz Show. It's Taz. Taz, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hey, I appreciate it, Nick. It's uh, it's nice to be on here with you doing this. And, uh, you know, it's not often I do these things, as you know. No, no. <laughs> so it's... Uh, you know, I, but I but I appreciate the platform to chat me a little bit. All good. I I appreciate it too, man. I know that it was uh, Conrad was so thrilled when you finally agreed to do Starcast. So when you agreed to do this this interview, I was like, wow, 
I know this is big. You really don't do a lot of this stuff. So, so again, thank you for the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no, it's funny. It's Conrad. Yeah, no, like, it what like, we, <laughs> with StarCast, like, it was so many different, uh, the first one, the opportunities that he was like, hey, would you want to come and do this? And, and at first, when he contacted me, it was just like everybody else, like, that contacts either a former wrestler or an ex-wrestler or a current wrestler. And usually most guys or girls are like, yeah, no problems. What, what kind of money we talk in? And you work out a price and you do it. Um, but me, it was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not interested. He's like, what? Like the first one, right? And then it was just, and then the second, uh, what was it? The th- I think I did the third one was in Las Vegas. That's when I did. What was the second? The second was in Las Vegas. The one I did. And it was, um, he had to go to a mutual friend of mine uh, that he and I had to do it. Because I, I just... Yeah, it's not, it's to me, Nick, it's like, I don't, um, I don't know what it is. I, I just, I, I, I do so much content and doing radio um, that I just normally don't go out there and do too much, um, too much stuff. So I, I guess in some way, shape or form, it keeps, whenever I do do something, eh, it's kind of unique. Hey, Taz is out here doing something. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's what I had to stop right here. Comrade, I left because we became friends, you know, so good friends. So, which is interesting. So, well, well I'm glad you, cause this is something special here today. You really lit everybody up on social media earlier this week uh, with a couple of your tweets, uh, teasing a potential return to commentary here. Uh, why, why did you feel it was the time to, to put these uh, comments out and stir the pot a bit in that regard? It was actually accidental, to be honest, like as far as it was just a quick interaction with someone who followed me, a fan who followed me on, on, on Twitter. And I just, you know, I try my best to interact with people who follow my, me on Instagram or Twitter. So like, you know, I, it was just kind of, um, I answered the, the person's question and, and I was in the mood to be a little more chatty about it. And then I kind of quote tweeted my own tweet and uh, went further into it I, just because I've just, it's been, geez, uh, several years, obviously, that I haven't done commentary in pro, uh, pro wrestling realm. So for me, um, it's something that over time I began to just, I miss, you know, and anybody who listens to my podcast like daily uh, or weekly, I should say, or biweekly or triweekly, they know that they're not super shocked because I've actually talked about this in one of my shows probably about a month and a half or two months ago um, that I missed commentary. And, and then it just, it just blew up and then more and more people and, and, um, and you guys grabbed hold of it and talked about it. And then more and more people, cause you guys have such a big, vast audience and, yeah. you know, a lot of eyes see what you guys do. And it just, it just grew and grew and grew. Uh, but it, it's just truth be told, I just, you know, um, it was a part of my career that I, I, I mean, I didn't like, I loved, I really, I loved doing commentary and no matter if it was for WWE programming or for TNA when, when, you know, I went into TNA, TNA was a, was a pretty hot topic back then. If you remember, it was, it was. TNA was doing good business back then, you know? Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. And then I got to meet and work with a guy named Mike today who him and I became really good friends and working there doing commentary. And, but just, I had, a lot of fun doing it and when i transitioned from the ring to the announce desk it was actually a very hard thing to do and it was a big challenge for me to do it i didn't want to do it but vince mcmahon hmm. felt like hey this is like the next chapter for you we need someone uh, we can't just have jerry lawler here doing color so we need someone else and that's a little bit younger than jerry lawler and you and you have such a 
uh, a unique personality and New York slang. It's different than anything we have on the air. Yeah. And Vince, I remember one time he said to me, Vince said, I, I need you to be good at this. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, <man. you> know, <laughs> when Vince McMahon looks you in your eyes, okay, at, at whatever building we're at for a, a Raw, yeah. and it was like 3 p.m., and I was hanging out near the announce desk, and I had just, I wasn't a full-time SmackDown guy yet. I was just doing some stuff like Sunday Night Heat and stuff like that. Okay. And when he comes over and he goes, Taz, you're doing good with the commentary. Kevin Dunn told me, and I, I hear it. I hear it. I know what you're doing on Heat, and it's great. And he looked right at me. He goes, listen carefully to me. I need you to be really good at this. <laughs> so, like, a little pressure, you know? So, yeah, you know. no kidding. Jeez. <laughs> Man. Uh, but he meant it in a nice way. And then he helped me. He, he made sure that they would send me to the WWE studio, like, every week when I wasn't on the road to practice. And where I live on Long Island is only, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour to uh, Connecticut. So in Stanford, so they would either send a car or some kind of transportation to get me and get me in the commentary role. And that's, that's how it really started to be behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds like Vince obviously had a lot of faith in you. Um, You know, a lot of, there's a lot of reports of people having to deal with Vince in the headsets. What was your experience with Vince in that regard? Any craziness? (laughs) Yeah. Well, a, l- a little bit. I mean, early on, like, no, he, he lets you get well, he, the way he did it with me. Once I was on SmackDown, he would let me get my sea legs onto me. And he understood the importance of you and your partner. In that case, it was me and Michael Cole yeah. getting chemistry. So chemistry, you know, a lot of times you either have it or you don't have it with a, with a partner. So Michael Cole and I, I think the powers that be in WWE back then, they realized we had chemistry right away, but they really, Vince and Kevin Dunn really wanted us to build that chemistry. So to that point, Vince really, early goings on SmackDown with me and Michael Cole, he was not in my ear that much. He was not in my headset that much. He was there. I knew he was there because, you know, he'd let you know, and he was, he was producing the announcers. So he would give me a word here and there. And it was always good stuff. And, and, but then over time, over like a couple of years, once he knew uh, these guys are a legitimate, strong team and we, we love these guys, then he would get a little crazy sometimes. Oh but it wasn't never, I mean, I think it's a little exaggerated with him, to be honest with you. Um, you know, some nights he's more chatty than others. Some segments, you know, he's more chatty. But I never had like, it wasn't like, oh my God, it's like, this is driving me crazy. I mean, sometimes I would get a little stressed over it. So would Michael Cole. Um, the worst part is like when I'm working with, let's say with Michael Cole and, and we're calling a match. So I say something, blah, blah, blah. And Michael Cole reacts or says something. I have to pay attention to him. So sometimes Vince would be a little long, long winded in his commentary is uh, his producing of, of any announcer. And in this case, it was me. And I couldn't hear what Michael Cole was saying because it's tough to hear two people at the same time. Yeah. But then over time, you start to actually learn how to do it. It sounds a little crazy. Okay. But doing this so many reps, it's a little disturbing to know that I could listen to one person talk to me while I'm listening to another person. And But oddly enough, I found myself doing that. And the trick for me was, and I used to drive Vince crazy with this, but we used to laugh about it, Vince and I. I knew his cadence. And what he would say, like he would give start a sentence in my headset with one or two words, and I'd finish the sentence on the air. And he used to laugh, and he used to think it was the funniest thing that I was like reading his mind. I'm like, no, it's been so repetitive that I just understand what you're going to say. So, you know, he really, um, 
he was more helpful to me and other, he's more helpful than he is hurtful. But there were times where he was a little too wordy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that all announced talent, no matter what sport they're covering or pro wrestling or what have you, all announcers need to be produced. Okay, so some people are a little confused when they hear Joe Blow is producing the announcers. There's always someone in the truck, like in this case with WWE, it's a guy that's Kevin Dunn. So um, where he's producing the announcers in and out of breaks, what graphics are coming up, counting the play-by-play guy into things. And then there's also like when I was in TNA, okay, a guy named Keith Mitchell who is now with AEW. Yeah. And Keith's a legendary, a legendary producer in the truck, like a Kevin Dunn. Um, and Keith used to work for the Von Erichs back in the day, like just his history is so, and what a super guy he is. So Keith would produce me and Mike Tanay. But then there's always another voice that produces you on a creative end, not just the logistic structure end. And that's what Vince McMahon does for the announcers and did for me. So in long-winded form, I... I was actually, I learned more from Vince in my headset. And I, and I tell him, Vince, if you give me less in my headset, I'm going to get more out of it. And he understood that. But, bro, what would happen is he would get upset with a segment because of the guys in the ring or because the ref did something that pissed him off or because the director shot it wrong. And now he, then he gets on the announcers. Like that just little thing would set him off sometimes. So that's what would happen. Yeah. Um, he was always a little harder on the play-by-play guys than the color commentators because back then the color commentators were former champions or former wrestlers. Now the business is kind of different where, you know, there's a lot of commentators in wrestling and color commentators that never were a champion or never really wrestled much. Yeah. So, but back then, like he did have a little bit of different respect for guys that laced up boots for a long time. I feel you. Now, and there's a lot of reports right now that it looks like WWE could be moving back to a two-man booth format, at least for, for Raw and SmackDown. Did you, all, did you ever have a preference, two-man, three-man booth, when it came to, to calling the action? Yeah, Nick, for sure. I'm a firm believer in the two-man booth, uh, a firm believer in that. Uh, the thing is, it's definitely a much, um, to me personally, it's a better listen. It's an easier listen. But I do think, in some cases, a three-man booth is important um, like, for example, what AEW is doing, having a three-person booth or a three-man booth, I think is important because they're a new brand. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories that need to be told. I do think that's important as long as the announcers and, and the AEW can get their, you know, get their cadence right because uh, it's three people. I always preferred, and I've worked in both, but I've always preferred a two-person booth. Um, and, I, you know, it just, <laughs> to me, it just always worked better. I, I I can do a three-person. I've done three-person. It's no problem. It's just everyone needs to know their role when there's a three-person booth. You just That's what I'm saying. You have to, you know, there's got to be a lead, and then, and then you got to just fall in behind that lead, and you can't step on each other. Otherwise, it's a really horrible listen. But, yeah. you know, I think it's good that WWE is doing that because the talent that they have is established already on Raw and or SmackDown. The announced talent's also established. So, you know, you can go to a two-person booth, I think most play-by-play or color commentators in any sport that, no matter if it's professional wrestling or pro baseball or, or the NFL or the NBA or, or the NHL, they'll tell you that, well, they prefer a two-person booth. It's just a little bit of an easier listen and it's a little bit easier way to do your job. Okay. 
Uh, well, let's let's circle back to you a little bit here. So, with this potential return to commentary, with you having a little bit of the bug at the moment, what what are you looking for in a promotion at the moment? If you were to call commentary for them, well, that's a great question. The thing to me is the number one thing is credibility in the ring. Okay, to me, um, it needs to be talent that that when I say credibility, I don't mean star power. I don't mean that at all. What I mean is guys and or girls that, that can go in the ring, that are athletic, that their their move set is strong and that their intensity is there. And it makes it, uh, it, it just like, I, I've been blessed to be able to call some great matches in my career, you know, and I've always would say, well, shoot, man. I mean, I could shine and really exemplify what's going on with the phys- the physicality in the ring when it's, you know, Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle. Okay. Yeah. Those are amazing matches. And that's where I know as a color commentator, as a color analyst, that's where I really am challenged. And I love that challenge. And I feel that's where I shine the best. So the better the in-ring work is, uh, that's something that me as a as color analyst, I want to sink my teeth in. Because I don't want a situation, Nick, where it's a young guy or girl, a young wrestler that's a little green, and they're making mistakes in the ring. And now if I can't call out that mistake, then if I don't call out that mistake or call out that they look hypothetically a little sloppy or don't look as intense or they're not as physical in the ring with their physicality, it hurts my credibility as a broadcaster. True. But if I do bring forward to the audience what this guy or girl in the ring is doing, and it's a negative, now I'm bashing the talent, which is a no-no in my book. And now I'm hurting this young guy or girl's brand I'm hurting their future potentially because I'm telling the audience, no matter if they're a heel or a baby face, I'm telling them with, in, a, in, a, in a nice broadcasting way, what they're doing in the ring is not really credible. It's not good. It's not physical. And I'm hurting their future. And that's the last thing I want to do. So I, I, to me, I, I would like to be in an environment where it's not about how much money I'm making. It's not about how much TV exposure I'm getting. I'm talking about as a color commentator, but it's the first number one thing, which your question's awesome is is the in-ring product strong not one match not two matches every match like the talent so you know with the wwe you're going to get that right out of the box because right. you're not getting to that level on smackdown raw uh even nxt okay because they're, they're, they're screening people the right way before they even get on nxt you know the guys and girls that you're calling those young talents they're all strong in the ring they are i mean it, it, it's that simple you're not going to get the opportunity to work on TV in that company if you're not. And that's a fact. So, you know, that's a layup. But to me, the in-ring uh, product is key, is key for me. Well, uh, I'll call out the uh, the elephant in the room. You know, I saw Josh sent, Josh Matthews sent you the, the fist bump. You obviously have some ECW original friends there. I know Tommy's there. Rob Van Dam is there at the moment. Sandman popped up recently. Um, what do you think of the impact product at the moment and the moves that they're making, especially with Anthem, you know, purchasing uh, the majority stakeholdership for Access TV? No, I'm very happy for them with, with their TV, uh, with their t- new TV deal, with, with Access. I think that's great. I just think it's great for wrestling. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's such a, a strong uh, wrestling popularity, wrestling boom, for lack of better terms right now. And I think it's awesome uh, for for Impact and, you know, with, with Access and obviously AEW with, with, with Turner and stuff and, and USA, as far as NXT, even in USA and all that jazz, I think the more the merrier, man. I mean, just bring it on. I think it's just great for the business. It's great for fans. It's great for the talent. It's great for the referees. It's great for the announcers. 
It really is. So I'm happy. I don't look when I worked, as you know, when I worked Nick for uh, Impact, you know, TNA. It was obviously it wasn't Anthem. It wasn't this the the people that are running the show there now. That wasn't even there. It was Dixie Carter and yada yada. So yeah. Um, but I can't speak on. I you know I I I, I for me though like. I don't, I mean, it's, you have two guys there in the office that are doing commentary with Josh. So like <laughs> they are the office, like, what am I going to, uh, you know, you're not going to have a four person booth and, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, so I don't know for me if that's the place, but who knows? I mean, I, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. think about it. Like there's, <laughs> so, and I wish no, no ill will on those. I hope they'd be great. I really do. I, I don't, um, and truth be told, you mentioned ECW guys and all that. Like, I don't, um, uh, I, to be honest, truth be told, like, and people, again, who listen to my podcast all the time, they know, like, I don't really, jeez, uh, I couldn't tell you one ECW original that I talk to on a regular basis. Hmm. Um, probably out of all of them, the guy I speak to the most, which isn't that often, is probably Van Dam. You know, and Rob's been on my show several times. He's been in studio with me on my show. On my show, you know, so yeah, um, he's probably the only guy that. I, so I don't, you know, I it, not. I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't. It really doesn't matter to me. I, I, I don't. It don't matter who who wrestles or guys that I knew that I wrestled with if they're still wrestling, if they're in a company, that doesn't make it Nick to me for me more attracting to go work in that company. To me, it's about the right fit at the desk. And so the impact, I mean, it'd be very difficult I mean, just to be, just look at the logistics of who they have at the desk with Josh. So I, yeah. you know, I, I'm good. So I, well, I so, guess, I guess for like what yeah. you described, I feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm in job placement right now. I'm like, Oh, let's see. What's the best role. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the commentary booths, you know, AEW deep, deep bench there, Jim Ross, Shivani, golden boy, Excalibur. What do you think of like a ring of honor? You know, I know Cabana, you know, kind of, kind of like Jerry Lawler did. He didn't mean to become a commentator. He just kind of got the role got thrust upon him, and he's been doing a lot more wrestling now. You know, Ian Riccoboni's there. He's he's great on play by play. What what do you think of Ring yeah. of Honor? What do you think of Riccoboni? I, I, I listen. Here's the thing, Nick. I to kind of what you said right before you asked about Ring of Honor. Like, I that's not what I'm looking to do here with you. Like, <laughs> I'm not looking to go through. I know company by company and breakdown. So I'd rather not do that. And I'm being honest. Sure. Like I just, because it's, it, that hurts my business. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know that that's not what you mean to do, but I'm just saying like, to me, that's not the road I'm looking to go down. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I've had offers from a couple of wrestling promotions. Okay. And I, uh, it's just at, like I put in my tweet, I'm not looking at my tweet, I'm paraphrasing my own tweet. Sure. So it just wasn't the right fit at the moment for those particular companies. Um, and maybe that's not a right fit anywhere. I don't know. But um, for me, um, you know, I think eventually it'll work out. Maybe, maybe not now, maybe in a month, maybe in three months, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, if maybe, maybe I'll lose the bug and I won't want to do it. I mean, but it's, to me, it's not a, um, I don't think that'll happen because I do have a passion. Like I said, and I do miss it. And I've been out of doing commentary for a while and truth be told, you know, like I went on a podcast and organically started doing alternative commentary on an MLW match, a catch style match, um, you know, with Timothy Thatcher versus Davy Boy Smith Jr. Great. And I gave an, I gave an alternative commentary match, breaking down the physicality of what's going on there. 
So uh, that podcast still lives on my platform on the Taz Show. So anybody wants to listen to it, they can. Yeah. And you, I basically did a watch along for that match. I don't know if you got a chance to do, it, but it's actually, you know, I, I, I'm listen. The thing for me is like, I, I even though I'm not, I haven't made money from a wrestling company in a lot of years. Like so, in essence, being in the business, but I've covered the business since I left the business on a daily basis. You know, so. I'm on top of all the companies and I know the creative and what they're doing, like as far as following storylines and whatnot, yeah. you know, so I have to do that for my audience, you know? So that part's done. I'm, I'm, I'm a communicator by trade. I mean, I host a national radio show every day and besides doing a podcast, you know, several times a week. So I'm a communicator. This is what I do. I broadcast. So for me, um, I, and I, here's the thing too, Nick, like for me, I feel if I got back in the game now, as far as doing color analysts someplace, yeah. it's got to be a place that's willing to let me apply my trade the way I'd like in the sense of really breaking down the physicality, explaining the physicality from a, a former champion's perspective, from a former challenger's perspective, from a former guy who drew money, a guy who worked opening match, a guy who's lost a lot of matches, a guy who's... You know, I've done everything in the business. I'm very proud of that. I'm not being braggadocious. It's a fact. So I have uh, just about three decades of history in the industry. So to me, I've done it all, and I bring all that to the table. You know, it's not just a guy who could do commentary because you know, he did. He was pretty cool on SmackDown. That's <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's a little bit different than that. I, you know, I'm one of these guys that I believe in. When I watch an NFL game, and the color commentator is Troy Aikman. Okay, a guy who has been an ultra successful quarterback who's been in a huddle at the highest level and, and kicked ass at the highest level as a player. So when he talks, I'm all ears because he's bringing me in the huddle. He's telling me what's going on in the field. No, no matter if, it, if, if, if I'm watching a professional baseball game and the commentator is Alex Rodriguez, and I know A-Rod, no matter if you like him or not, he's credible as hell. He knows. He knows. He's, 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 he's been a champion. He knows. I feel the same way about wrestling commentary. I believe in that. I believe in the guy or girl that's been in the pit and that's drew money and, and that's been a champion and, and, and that's going to bring me into the ring and explain to me the physicality and what's going on, what the training was to get to that point, what that guy's body feels like while he's in a single leg Boston crab and how does his lower back feel? How's his hamstring feel? What's it feel like when this guy's caught in the top wrist lock and he can't get out? And he's trying to escape. What you have to do to escape it? Like, I'm going to, I've done this. Like, so I, I know how to explain this succinctly. And I feel like I bring that to the dance and I can do it humbly saying better than anybody today. Uh, That's how I feel. You're great. You're, you're one of my favorite commentators. Absolutely. So I know you bring a lot wherever you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, you know, you're you, you're awesome. Um, But uh, real real, real quickly here before, uh, before I, before I let you go, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts real quickly on, on NXT's debut. I'd be a fool not to ask you. It was like this historic night last night. How'd you think it came on? Yeah. Great, man. I thought it was really cool. It was good for WWE. I actually did not watch it live. I was in the middle of doing something for my other show, but I ended up watching it in the morning. Um, watched it back. I thought it was great. Um, I know a lot of people who watch it live, and apparently the energy was unbelievable when you watch it live, but they captured that energy, even though it was, um, even though it was uh, what do you call it? Uh, even though I watched it on tape. Yeah. It was great. I mean, historic moment. I mean, look, that product that they have there, that Triple H built there, it's 
he, he, he's captured and he's allowed the talent over the past several years to capture their energy, to bring that energy forward, to bring that youthful feel combined with great intensity and, and really good physicality as far as the in-ring work. Um, that's what, that's what I saw in that show last night. So they definitely brought that. Um, and I think being that they're going to be live every week on USA, I think that's a huge deal. Obviously it's great for wrestling fans because everybody wants to see, Oh my God, what's AEW going to do? And they're going to compete against, against uh, NXT and all this jazz. Uh, truth be told, I, I don't feel like it's a competition. And it, it, I know everyone's going to look at it as that, but it's just, to me, it's not, it's, it's almost unfair because, um, and this is what I've talked about on my podcast in the past, you know, Nick, the deal is you have WWE, which has ingrained the audience on the USA network that wrestling's on the USA network. Now I'm not talking about the hardcore fan that listens to your podcast or mine or that goes in your website and, and follows along on, on Wrestling Inc. and all those chairs. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the casual fan that works nine to five, or that's digging holes for a living. Like, I'm going to watch wrestling tonight. It's Monday night. Oh, I know it's on USA. They don't follow storylines, dude. They don't care what's going on. They just know when they put on the USA Network on Mondays, they're going to get wrestling. They know when they put it on Tuesdays, they're going to see SmackDown. They know that. And that's really the, the, the extent of it. They, so that is already ingrained in a lot of people that they know when they put on that network that that's what they're going to see. Yeah. The, the, the ambitious task, the ambitious task for, and they'll do it for TNA, uh, TNA I mean, for, for AW is to now teach the, re-educate the audience that wrestling's back on the Turner network. That's what they have to do. And I think they're starting to do that already, which is smart. So I, I slow and steady wins the race for AW. And I do think they could do that. They got to compete with one thing, AEW, in my opinion. They got to compete against AEW. Compete against yourself. That's who they have to compete with. That's how I look at it. If I worked in AEW and I worked in the front office or I was in a production meeting or I was talking to Tony Khan, that's what I would say. We got to compete against ourselves. We don't have to compete against Vince McMahon or Triple H or NXT or any of that. We got to compete against us. That's how you got to look at it. Yeah, now. Sure, was the bear poked? You know, did you poke the bear with, tri- with Triple H, with the with Cody busting up the chair? Yeah, did. Yeah, definitely, you know, AEW definitely poked the bear. Sure, but let's be honest. I mean, the first punch was thrown by who? The first punch was thrown by Triple H at the Hall of Fame thing when, when he put himself in the Hall of Fame with DX, because that's what he did. Right. And, and yeah, so, just, just be honest. And, and he was cutting his promo, you know, at the Hall of Fame deal, um, he took a shot at Billy Gunn, like joking around or whatever, because they're boys about 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 AEW, and you know, so that that I, I was I'm still shocked that he did that. I'm still shocked that Vince McMahon's head literally blow off backstage that that, that Hunter did that. Yeah, but that was the first shot. It wasn't what Cody did with with, with the King's Throne chair and stuff like that. That the first shot was thrown by WWE. So. You know, and then Sami Zayn going on the air the next day on Raw yeah. and mentioning AEW, which, from my understanding, he did that on his own. So it wasn't like they told him to do that. That's my understanding. So the um, point is, AEW's got to compete against AEW. As long as they stay in that, they'll be fine. It's unfair to compete 
just from a TV perspective against someone that has been on that network for so many years and they have so much programming on that network for so many years, besides the fact they're a company that's multiple decades old, you know, 60 decades, whatever the hell it is, that however old WWE, WWF is. I mean, so it's tough to just go and say, we're competing against you. You know, we got one hour a week. I'm sorry, we got two hours a week of programming uh, on TNT now. We're just comp- we're competing against you with, with your six hours a week of free programming, whatever the hell it is that WWE has with, with SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's almost unfair. You know, so point is, compete amongst yourselves. Compete against yourself. Be the best AEW that you could be every week. And I do believe they're going to do that. They're going to compete against themselves. And, and I, I'll tell you, I am... I, I think that they're going to do really well. I mean, I know this, the, the key to being, the, the key to having success, I actually learned this from Vince McMahon many years ago, <laughs> you know, in the year 2000, I'm sorry, year 1999, before when I signed with WWE, you know, and Vince told me, he's like, you know, before I signed my deal, we were having a long talk, and he said, you know, the key to this industry is having TV and talent, and it don't matter what order, talent, TV, TV, and talent. AEW has that. They have TV, they have talent, they also have they have money, and as long as they spend their money properly, and 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 the other thing I would add in there is, you know, passion. They have passion. You know, those 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 people in there, from Tony Khan to Cody and and the Bucks and all these and Omega, the, the, you know, they they all have passion for this thing to succeed. They have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, that's a big plus. I come from. You know, working as an ECW original, you know, we had a legitimate chip on our shoulder, you know, like, like really a chip on our shoulder, you know, the, you know, we didn't have the resources AEW has, you know, obviously we didn't have the money or the, the TV exposure and all that jazz, but we had the same passion, the same drive that I could see in AEW. That to me is what's refreshing and cool. Taz, I want to thank you so much for the time. You are somebody I've wanted to chat with for a while. Uh, I wanted to wait till the end, but I, I have uh, read Bill Apter's book. I know that he's somebody that helped you early on in your career, and he's helped me out in my career as well. So I thought that was a little cool bridge I'd bring up here at the end. Um, you're doing nice. great. Yeah, you're doing great, man. You're crushing it. I'm so glad I got to pick your brain on the commentary stuff and awesome points made about AEW and NXT as well. Um, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the interview today? Nah, just that people could obviously check out the Taz show, you know, a couple times a week for free at Apple Podcasts uh, or also at Radio.com. Um, that's who basically I work for through CBS and through Empticom. Um Radio.com has a great app, and you get your your get the Taz show free there, and you get uh, you go on the Radio.com website also, or on Stitcher or Spotify. You know, wherever you get your podcast, you can grab the Taz Show. That's what one Z T A Z S H O W. That's the deal. My guest at this time is the current Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. He is the leader of the kingdom. It is Matt Taven. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, thank you for having me again. The last time uh, we talked, I, I exposed your nipples to you. Uh, you know, hopefully your adoring audience. I'm, I hope they got a good kick out of that. Uh, I don't know if the audience got a good kick out of it, but I do know that my girlfriend has a freeze frame from that where uh, she thinks that it's like the happiest I've ever looked. And she like she honestly she wants to get it framed. She was like, oh, this is great. I'll get this in a frame. You should. Yeah, she will. She probably will. It looked like the scene from uh, Cable Guy, you know. Oh, Billy. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, if you can't tell, it's an early warning recording for Matt and I here today, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I'll start off, you know, we're going to get to uh, this upcoming number one uh, uh, contender tournament to decide who's going to take you on for the title. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about your title match, too, but I want to talk about the elephant in the room to start this off. There are reports out there that your contract with Ring of Honor is up this month. What's going on here? Are, are you uh, are you almost are you wrapping up with Ring of Honor? Um, you know, the wrestling business is one of those things where you can never say this is definitely going to happen. Um, so I, I'm kind of, you know, leaving it at that. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, will all be sorted out in time and people will know in time. And it's one of those fun things, you know, it's like a, a little mystery or suspense. It's like before the internet was around, you had to like wait and see what happens. You know what I mean? You can't just go out there and, and uh, find out spoilers before it, it happens. Even though a spoiler alert uh, for the movie, uh, it it is not good. And I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I'm upset. Uh, obviously, I'm so upset that I'm derailing this interview early to talk about my disdain for the new uh, It Chapter 2. Um, well, uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, addressing that. I want to I want to uh, I want to agree with you, by the way, on It Chapter 2. Terrible movie. Really bad. It's awful. Really bad movie. My girlfriend, like she it ended. She's like, oh, I'm crying a little bit. I'm like, How? What did, what did we watch right now? There was no emotional stakes to this, you know? I I literally threw my hands up, like, halfway through the movie. Like, is this going to be the whole thing? Like, this is this is not what I what I paid, you know, an absorbent amount of money to go to the movie theaters to see. And now I'm such a big original It, Tim Curry fan, that it just breaks my heart to see, uh, to see what happened there. Yeah, all right. Well, I guess we'll get back to wrestling here. I could literally sit here and tell you for 10 minutes why I hated that film, but I don't really think that's anybody why anybody's tuning into this right now. Um, we'll talk I about- mean, I, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all ears if you want to just go that that route for this interview. Well, you know, um <laughs> we won't because I think my boss will get really upset, but uh and I don't think that's what Ring of Honor wants to be talking about either. Yeah, I'll uh, say my bosses probably would have loved that either. Okay, great. Um, well, the, you know, when we're talking about contracts here, you know, the other the other uh, champion right now at Ring of Honor that has had contract issues is Shane Taylor. Uh, he is uh, had his ROH contract bought out. They're trying to find uh, terms for him to to make sure he shows up uh, death before dishonor here to defend his title. Uh, what do you think about uh, Shane Taylor's ROH contract being bought out here? You know, I think everyone's just trying to be like Matt Taven, you know, have contract situations coming up in the month of September. It's just I'm so, just such a trendsetter that everyone has to, you know, jump on the bandwagon. Um, honestly, Shane, I think, has been on a roll lately, and I think that he's a definite underappreciated uh, champion in, in all of wrestling in every aspect. And um it's really something that I've I've kind of only seen on like the fringes. It's kind of crossed my bow because I, I got a pretty big match coming up against a little guy named named Rush. Uh, not the band. Don't play Tom Sawyer. Uh, it, it's a guy that uh, you know I I made famous in the United States by going down to Mexico and actually putting him on the map. So it's one of those things where uh, Shane Taylor might have his little situation, but I, I got something big on the horizon that's kind of. Where, where my actual focus is. So you talk about Rush here. Um, are you are you excited to share this journey? Do you think he's a deserving number one contender for you at this point in time and for death, death Before Dishonor? 
I think without a doubt. I mean, he's been unbelievably impressive since coming into Ring of Honor, and he's a guy that has always been making waves uh, down in Mexico. But at the same time, you know, he's going against a guy that's worked harder than anyone else to be the world champion. If he thinks he's just going to saunter into Ring of Honor and, and take this belt from me, he's got another thing coming. He already knows, you know, what kind of competitor I, competitor I am because we've met so many times in Mexico. But this is a whole different Matt Taven since the anniversary show last year in CMLL. Um, this is a Matt Taven that came back to Ring of Honor determined to have one goal in mind, and that's to be the top guy here in Ring of Honor and to be the world champion. It's going to be over my dead body that I'm going to let Roosh come into uh, come into my kingdom and uh, and take what I worked hard for. Yeah, well, I mean, Roosh has been a rush, has been undefeated uh, up until this point. I mean, does that affect you at all going into this bout? No, because I've been in the ring with, with Roosh a million times, and maybe he's undefeated in the ring of honor, but I've pinned his shoulders to the mat uh, in Mexico numerous times. And it's one of those things where, I mean, like, let's let's look at our conversation right now where we're talking about Roosh versus Rush. People would still be calling him Rush if it wasn't for me going down to CMLL and, and actually making him relevant here in the United States and, and with the ring of honor fan base. He really owes everything, all of his success, everything that he's had since coming to the United States, he owes that to me. I really should have got a percentage of his contract like I was his agent. Now, uh, you talk about CMLL. You know, a lot of people noted how uh, War of the Worlds this year, Ring of Honor doing it with CMLL, uh, not this, not with New Japan this time around. Uh, uh, are you excited that uh, Ring of Honor is expanding on the CMLL relationship? Oh, I think without a doubt. I think some of the best luchadors in the world are, uh, you know, almost being hidden uh, from an American audience. And uh, anything that we can do to, to expose them to the Ring of Honor crowd and to, you know, to bring them to our shows and make them that much better is uh, a positive. You know, you got guys like Ultimo Guerrero, Volador Jr., Dragon Lee, Roosh, Mystico. I mean, the list goes on and on. Cavernario, like, these are just guys that are unreal and maybe not getting the exposure and the amount of respect that they deserve because, uh, you know, they're, they're wrestling in another country. And, and today, you know, we, we live in such a great wrestling world where you can get anything, at, you know, at the tip of your fingers from your phone. Uh, but at the same time, I still think there's a lot of exposure that these guys deserve. That's um, that that's being, um, being uh, done through ring of honors relationship with CMLL. And uh, you know, it was a nice change of pace to do global wars with them this time or uh, War of the Worlds, which, no, I believe it was called Global, it was global Wars. Wars. It was, it was global and, Wars. Uh, you know, soon we'll have all three companies working together, and I, I think that this relationship is is something that uh, a fan like myself that grew up, you know, wanting to see different international talent uh, is exciting for, for a fan base that's going to get the opportunity to do that. It was really interesting uh, at Summer Supercard in Toronto, a really diverse uh, card. You had that CML bout. Of course, Roosh was in action here, too. He took on your friend Dalton Castle. Uh, were you surprised that he was still able to get the better of Dalton this time around? I don't know who Dalton Castle is. Who's that? D Dal Dal Dalton Castle. He's a party peacock. He's a very flamboyant fellow. Oh, oh um, I, I really don't know too much about that, that person. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, Roosh is, is one of those guys that if he's going to step up to Matt Taven and try to um, take this title away from me, which is laughable at best, he needs to worry about, uh, you know, 
people that are on a higher level than this Dalton Castle that you're speaking of, I, I'm just I'm so confused. I, I I don't know who this person is. You know who Dalton Castle is? You guys are friends. I've never met this man in my life. These are lies. No, I. These are all lies. No, I know because you both have talked to me about. You've been in videos. You've been in videos together. You guys uh, mix it up. You know, Dalton. He's a little adrift right now. You know, Dalton right now. Is that, he's had some losses. Is that the one that that has AJ Styles' haircut? Yeah, similar. Yeah, he is. Okay. A, oh, I know him. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know him. I thought you were talking about someone else. You're not talking about Swoggle, right? The the. <laughs> yeah. He's, yes, yes, that guy. He just came out with a book. I know him. I know him. No, yeah, he did. He's a very good book, by the way. Uh, no, no, it's, it's the bigger one. The bigger one with the AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Little, I don't think you can say that. I can say that. You can say that. Uh, what do you want? That's, that's <laughs> you know, you can't discriminate haircuts because of the size. It doesn't make his haircut better because he's a taller human. I didn't say it was better. I just said he's big AJ. You know, swoggles little AJ. <laughs> oh, I thought you said he was a better human because of his size. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't want to get you in trouble or anything. But yeah, yeah. Hey, I thought you said that. Speaking of humans, uh, a little off the rails here for a second. <laughs> You a fan of the superhuman? You like the superhuman? This is for all my juggalos and juggalettes. Um, yeah, he's the smartest worker of any of us. He only has to take one bump instead of a million of them, and uh, he gets a ton of views. So, you know, he's he's figured it out. I'm jealous of him. Would you welcome superhuman into the kingdom? Do you feel like he has a place with you, Vinny, and TK? Would I? Would I welcome superhuman to the kingdom? You know, I like hang out with the people in the kingdom. It's not like just like a, a little thing we do for TV. Like I spend a lot of time. I am not going to spend time with anyone that says they're a juggalo. I'm sorry to juggalos out there. I'm sure you already hated my guts. You probably thought I was a terrible wrestler and you probably put your makeup on before you went to Twitter to talk about me. But I, I just, I, I can't, I can't. All right. I can't drink Fago. I can't, um, I don't know, wear obnoxiously baggy jeans. I I can't not clean under my fingernails. It's just a thing. These are things I can't do, so I can't be with Juggalos. Oh, man. You're not down with the clowns? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be down. I'll go and, and like, watch from afar, but I'm not going to be able to commit for the rest of my being that I'm, you know, down. You're gonna get violent Jay in there, Shaggy Tudope. They can wrestle. They're gonna they're gonna go after you. They're fair. They're frightening, terrifying clowns. You don't want that in your life. No, you're right. And I, I you know, I shouldn't sell them short because one of my favorite memories of wrestling is uh, slowly sliding off the uh, Mike Awesome's that seventy guys love bus. There, that that really always puts a smile on my face every time I see it. Uh, all right, let's get back on track here. Um, <laughs> You, uh, ROH has announced uh, a number one contender tournament for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. Now, of course, you have to still get through Roosh, but it sounds like that's a foregone conclusion conclusion for you. Of course. That, that you will roll through Roosh. So how do you feel about this number one contender tournament? I mean, I'm not really sure how to feel at this, at this point. Like, Ring of Honor has done nothing but throw every single person they could at me. And uh, I, I think in the hopes that someone can take the title off me and, and the reality has shown that no matter if it's PCO, Jeff Cobb, Mark Haskins, Tracy Williams, Volador, you know, Flip, I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, about to add Roosh to that list. It, not a single person has been able to dethrone me. So it's like one of those things where it's like, 
Ring of Honor almost seems desperate for people to to challenge me for the title. So now they have to, all right, let's give all these guys an opportunity, and, and we'll see if, if one of these guys can finally take the, the title off Matt Taven. The, the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter who it is, the result's going to be the same, but I personally will be cheering for Jay Lethal. Why, you say? Yeah. Because me and Jay Lethal, we, uh, we've had this rivalry going on for the last six years, and since I've become champion, I've been waiting for the moment where I can put my foot on Jay Lethal's chest, hold that title high up in the air, and, and, and finally declare the end of the Lethal Taven feud with me being the victor. And I thought that I'd be able to do that in uh, New York City at Manhattan Mayhem until Kenny King uh, decided to stick his nose uh, into, the, into our business and, and get added to the match. But there's still that feeling inside me that feels like there's one more Jay Lethal, Matt Taven match for the world championship where I finally put Jay Lethal in the rear view mirror. Well, another guy um, that's in the tournament that I think is real buzzy and people would like to see you have one-on-one, um, one-on-one with is Marty Skrull, the guy that you were in a triple threat with Jay Lethal at Madison Square Garden with. Uh, would you like to get a definitive mm-hmm. singles win over Marty as well? I mean, I've been waiting. I've been sitting here waiting. You know what I mean? It's 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 not like I've turned down any people that have stepped up to the plate. Uh, every single person that you know has a pair of wrestling boots, I've accepted the challenge. And even the people that don't wear wrestling boots, I've accepted the challenge from. Uh, but the thing is, is that Marty hasn't hasn't stepped up and hasn't even asked, hasn't even wondered, hasn't even been curious. And I'm curious on why he isn't curious. So I'm sitting here waiting for that that day that Marty the Melvin wants to uh, get slapped around by Matt Taven. You know, you brought up Flip Gordon uh, as part of this tournament as well. What's going on right now with Flip? He's kind of like a man adrift right now after he got fired from Villain Enterprises. I don't know what you're talking about. Flip Gordon, I, I know him as the intern, okay? I don't know this Flip Gordon. I know the intern, which is how he was introduced to me. And now that he's having a, a little lover's quarrel with uh, the rest of the Island of Misfit Toys, am I supposed to care about that? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm confused. The guy is an intern. He literally is the one that goes, gets the coffee, and they want to, you know, play with his emotions. Just just do your job and make sure all the uh, you know all the copies get done. Uh, well, uh, as we look ahead here to Death Before Dishonor as well, uh, something that got that grabbed a lot of people. You know, Jeff Cobb uh, is uh, you know had such a great run here in Japan recently, coming back here to Ring of Honor. Him and Brody King, two big men, they're going to be on the pre-show uh, card here for Death Before Dishonor. What do you think about the decision to to put them in that bout? I think it's fantastic, and uh, you know it's it's one of those things where I'm sure the pre-show will get out there and and be free to to a bunch of people. And it's it's Jeff Cobb and and Brody King are are two of the guys that have come into Ring of Honor, uh, you know, recently in the past year or two, and are just these unbelievable talents that more people need to be watching. And if they're gonna they're gonna put a marquee match like that on the pre-show to get people's appetites wet for the main event me of course uh then so be it uh i i think it's a it's a it's a great move and it's going to be a match that uh really puts on display ring of honors present and future uh i want to flash back here real quick uh, to summer supercard i really enjoyed that show uh you and shelly had a great main event what was it like getting to uh to share the ring with a roh original like that i mean i i'm one of those guys that like he thinks the world of Alex Shelley and, and uh, is one of those people that will preach to high heaven that he does not get the respect and the just due that he deserves for 
the influence that he's had on wrestling. And I, I truly believe that if you look at the, you know, Motor City Machine Guns versus the Young Bucks 10 years ago, you were looking at what tag team wrestling is today. Um, so Alex Shelley's one of those guys I was happy to see back in Ring of Honor. Obviously, you know, if he if he wants the the challenge top guy, I had to put him in the in his place. But hopefully, we see more of Alex Shelley here in Ring of Honor because he's a he's a guy that's not only a Ring of Honor original but an innovator that that still impresses to this day. There was a really interesting moment in that bout uh, where a fan I don't know if he'd had too many drinks or something like that. But I he think could... he had something else. I mean, it's legal. You know, a lot of stuff is legal in in Canada that is only legal in certain states here in America. But when he finally opened his eyes, his 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 eyes, as they as the saying goes, were redder than the devil's dick. And I know that's a that's a popular saying in in your neck of the woods. So I'm sure you're very familiar with that one. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't just make it up on the fly. Um, but you know, he opened his eyes, and you could tell that there was more than just than just uh, alcohol in in that man's body because the uh, substance influence came through uh, very apparently through his pupils. And um, I I hope he was, you know, had a safe rest of the evening. Hopefully he was having a fantastic time up until whatever he was taking uh, overtook his body there. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to see people having a good time. You just you, you got to be smart about it. You got to make sure that you do not pass out until the show's out, until the show's done. Right. You know, he had like two more matches left. He just mistimed his party. Yeah, it's true. Well, he did. I watched <laughs> I watched him get taken off by some medics and, and ROH security and they they made sure he was OK and they got him his shoes as they were missing. But, you know, good. Yeah. Good. You know, I, 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 they were actually, uh, too worn for my liking. So, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to get them back to him as soon as possible. Only in pro wrestling. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here, Matt. You know, <laughs> I, I wanted to say, you know, next month, October, 2019 is going to be such a historic month. I feel like here, you know, for you, what are you feeling going into this big month? And what do you think pro wrestling fans can expect from you and ring of honor? Uh, the thing that I hope uh, for wrestling in general, uh, come October is just the growth. You know, wrestling is always the best when there's good competition, where people are succeeding. And I've never, I've never understood, even today. You know, like a very there's a very internety uh, feeling of like choose sides. It's like why not? Why why not enjoy all of it and um, really kind of embrace this boom in, in wrestling that we're seeing you know, like people yearn for for the monday night wars and for the days where wrestling was was extremely popular why are we going to choose sides and, and pick alliances now i um i hope that everyone in wrestling succeeds i hope that fans appreciate all this great wrestling that that is uh that is in front of them and about to be even more accessible and uh i i hope that um you know, it just does good things for not just the fans, but also the the guys that are that are wrestling, the guys that are um, sacrificing their bodies and and going out there to entertain all these fans. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and go check out it chapter two, right? Just so you can create your own opinions about this movie. I'd love to talk to Vinny about it chapter two. I feel like I feel like it would it, it had to have gutted him to see that thing play out. If if you liked it chapter two personally tweet at me or DM me so I can make sure I block you because your opinion is useless from here on out because that movie 
was atrocious. Go watch the original It. Kim Curry as Pennywise. It doesn't get any better than that. All right, Matt. Uh, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview today? Uh, the only thing I, I want to plug besides Ring of Honor, ROHWrestling.com, the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view next weekend coming live from Vegas, is myself. And if you know how to spell Taven, T-A-V-E-N, uh, you can find me at any uh, social media platform or anywhere uh, you might be looking for me. Uh, T-A-V-E-N, Matt Taven at, at Twitter, the Matt Taven on Instagram, Matt Taven on Facebook, Matt Taven Pro Wrestling Tees. Go support me and just love me. Thank you, Michael, for joining me for uh, a, a real journey an odyssey of pro wrestling news we had to start the show so much so much news at the top of the show i enjoyed our, our banter just as uh, just about as much as i enjoy tj max the new title sponsor of the winkley if you're looking for a butter dish or a tire or a jacket go mm-hmm. to tj max they got it all TJ Maxx, selling at prices generally lower than the other major similar stores. You may not get exactly what you want, but you will get a variation of what you are looking for at a more inexpensive price. TJ Maxx. Um, we're going to be back tomorrow. Just Labar will be talking the news with me. Uh, we'll have two big interviews. Uh, it's going to be a Scott Fishman interview day here tomorrow. Um, we will have him. Oh, wait. I wrote these, this wrong here. Um, who we have for Scott tomorrow? So we have Rebecca Johnson from Glow and uh, a little person you know maybe from NXT. Bianca Belair will be on the show here today. So Scott Fishman, he went out and uh, covered uh, the the NXT superstars. We're visiting a uh, a hospital um, down in Florida, and Scott Scott got to tag along, get some got a few words from her. And then on Thursday, uh, we're also going to hear Scott's interview with the Street Profits. So two two big NXT interviews this week. So good good on Scott. Thank you for going out and getting those, giving some good pl- publicity here to the. Uh, the, the men and women of NXT doing good things for the world. Um, and, uh, of course, if you like this show, you like all our shows, you like the post shows, you like Michael Weissman, you can't get enough Michael Weissman, can't get enough Nick Hausman, can't get enough of everybody here at Wrestling, go over to the Wrestling Inc. iTunes audio channel. Five-star ratings, nice comments, always appreciated. You are loved. Michael, anything you want to plug, put over here to wrap up the show today? As I do every week, if you want to catch up with all my latest opinions, feelings, thoughts, meanderings about the world of professional wrestling, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. And um, yeah, with all the changes happening to the WWE schedule, it looks like I might be making my return to the Wrestling Inc. post game show starting next week with um, SmackDown. So um, that could be could be happening soon. So there, you go. there you go. All right, everybody. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked. You didn't miss it.